But when you're in a situation where you clearly have physical advantage and you, yet you still choose to inflict harm or your will on someone else physically like that, then you're a fucking cunt in the, you know, just scum of the earth. Yeah. I, I think, know. You know. So it was uh, one of them situations. Are we rolling yet? Now we're rolling. Now we're rolling. Now we're rolling. Okay. okay. Limp Biscuit would be proud. <laughs> I've seen some unspeakable shit on trains. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> uh, not as bad as London buses. London buses are freaking. I saw a guy overdose on heroin on a train. It wasn't, it wasn't even moving. It's horrible. To be fair, that was a rough week for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Shall I? Are we, are we good? Are we rolling? All right. Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We're back. It's a new year. We've been away doing things, but we're here with Cheyenne from Trivax. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a fun day so far. So I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, seeing what words come out of our mouths and, <laughs> and hopefully it entertains some people or makes them think. Makes them think. Mm. We will do that. Yeah. So to help with that, we will probably do a side card reading with you. We don't have a huge amount of time compared to our normal long form podcast, but I would love to do at least three cards. So I'll give this pack of cards to you and I'll explain to you what they are. So they're all based on the Jungian ar archetypes, which I can pronounce. Um, so he basically found that people, even if they had no knowledge prior of like mythology or symbolism, would often come to him when he was giving them psychotherapy with the same dreams mm -hmm. and the same um, archetypes and symbols that would pop up. So these cards are kind of based on that. It's not like necessarily spiritual, but you may find that there are symbols and archetypes that pop up in here that will resonate with you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I have a little book. It gives a description of each one, and I'll read it to you when you turn each card over one by one. Um, and we can talk about what you think. That sounds good. Cool. So we'll start with free cards. So if you want to place face down on the table, free cards will have your past, your present, and your future to help structure the, the format. Do I shuffle it a bit first? Shuffle or it. Do go I, for it. Uh, do whatever you yeah, want. I'm not very good at shuffling, but fucking all right. Then. I don't think we've had a single guest that's been good at shuffling. <laughs> I'm just still waiting for someone that's like, a do king. like a split deck like shuffle. And <laughs> yeah. like. God damn it, I could have been that person. <laughs> right, that's fine. Did your um, family ever play hook? Is that my yeah. question? Yeah, yeah, of course. I remember like summer nights where people would people would um, play in my with my family and they'd just be playing. I have no idea what the rules are. Is it like the same as poker? It's like a range yeah, of poker? Yeah, hook is basically poker. Yeah, ah. but you know, with with a Persian twang to it, really. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Uh, I used to love playing 21, but uh, it's blackjack, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then we used to just use the smaller cards as the uh, as the money because, you know, it was like, didn't want anyone getting too upset over money and, <laughs> and whatnot. So, you know, um, especially as, you know, the uh, odds are always in the favor of the bank. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Used to spend a lot of time playing that when I was younger with, you know, my parents or with family or even with my friends, you know, and it's especially, it's extra good considering that cards, generally speaking, aren't allowed in Iran. Are they not? It's, it's, it's not it's a halal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's gambling, you know, yeah. so they, my parents would gamble over like who buys dinner next. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or like who has no, to do the washing. You can't take gambling out of Persians jeans, you know, it's like, <laughs> might be able to take it out of their trousers, but not the jeans. <laughs> hey. hey. Do you know what's interesting about 21? So, well, What's blackjack here is essentially Uno. So okay. in London, we bastardized the game of Uno, but then that was called blackjack for some reason. And there's no fucking rational explanation as to why it's blackjack. But yeah, to me, blackjack is always 21. I, I found out that the guy who invented Monopoly invented it to show that capitalism was broken. And then it was basically bought a bit. And then ironically, it was bought by the big game companies. And then they changed it to Monopoly and glorified it. <laughs> and I don't know. Really I used to steal from that bank all the time. So I, I always won a Monopoly. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, should we start with your past? Yeah, sounds like a plan. That can be your past for today. Mm. Let's see what you get. Let's go. Liberation. Fucking hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it to you. This is, I know this is going to be really good already. Okay. 
A pair of lovers dash on horseback through the open fortress gateway across a bridge to freedom. Here is depicted the joyous escape from a constricting situation. It stands for those occasions where often by some, out, by some outside agency, we are somehow set free to make a new life. However, note that although the key is in the lock, there is no bolt. Therefore, the card also represents those situations where we do have the ability for release from within ourselves. Fucking chills already, man. What the hell? <laughs> That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, right? Yeah, I know your story, but the viewers don't. <sighs> yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know, it all starts being born and raised in Iran, in the Islamic Republic of Iran, not the real Iran, you know. That has a big impact on things, you know. And, and Iran, you know, as I've kind of grown a bit older, try to understand the different implications of it, you know, what that society really is like. It's very much an Orwellian situation. It's very much 1984. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a crazy thing. It's, the, it's a form of a mind disease that exists not just within the uh, governing powers there, but within pretty much every single individual, you know. Even I myself, at one point, you know, it's like there were times where, especially as a teenager, you would think, oh my God, why am I questioning this? And by questioning this, of course, I'm talking about the heavily religious um, restriction placed on the country and the, and the culture as a whole. And the stronghold that it has on society is um, is undeniable. I guess you can't separate that at all. And I think that the history that we've had, especially in the last, I would say, four decades, with it coinciding with the Iran-Iraq war, I think a lot of that kind of uh, had a... Um, a very negative sort of imprint on everyone's uh, psychology all the way from obviously 1979 up until now. So all of that to say that it's an environment where you're not allowed to question religion, you're not allowed to question authority, you're not allowed to question uh, the people who represent those things that I just mentioned. And, uh, and if you do, then that can have pretty severe consequences. And of course, in my position, I wanted to play heavy metal music. It was the thing that I felt like as a person finally gave me a voice, a voice that even the religion I didn't feel was able to offer me because I should probably be transparent about the fact that at the time of me discovering heavy metal, I was actually a practicing Muslim when I was age. 13 years old or whatever. So it's actually something that not only I took seriously, I even used to encourage the rest of my friends, you know, you should really pray, you should do this and that, you know. All of that, of course, came from a good place of genuinely not wanting good for myself, but for other people. I guess this is kind of how everyone gets trapped into the whole thing, you know, and that's probably how Jehovah's Witness people work as well. Um, but uh, yeah, when I discovered heavy metal, it was like a new level of freedom, liberation. It's like, holy shit, that voice that I had never thought I could have, you know, because I at a younger age, I always considered myself very much like a beta person. I was like, oh, you know, this this heavy metal thing is the opposite of that. I feel like I am in charge now when I listen to this and when I play this. And it just gave me that weapon. And then that weapon was something that heavily went against the rules of the state morally and legally and so on. So, yeah, it was um, it was a tough time. But also being here, sat here right now, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I'm glad that I went through those frictions at such a young age because it forced me to make pretty radical decisions about my approach to life in general. And that's not something that's ever changed or um, become nullified as I've spent time here in a supposedly free society. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the song Alpha Predator kind of embodies that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That song is kind of like, it's... Um, it's about embracing the murderer in you. And that is not necessarily to go on a killing spree and fucking, you know, necessarily from a place of causing harm, although that can be included, but it's mostly from a place of fucking cutting down on the shackles in your mind, the limits that you think, oh, I'm not going to do this so that I don't get this repercussion, but rather saying, 
even if my most authentic self is to go that far, so be it. I'll accept the consequences. That's what that song really says. And if you pay attention, the whole song is like, oh, alpha predator, murder, you know, the last one. Hell yeah, epics. But then at the very end of the song says, cursed be the eye, omega at heart all along. And that's what that's really alluding to, you know, and it's that, you know, the end of the day, you're just trying to fucking discover who you are, really. And that's the path of being authentic is that's that's where it takes you you know it's not how you get to discover the world but you have to discover within first and then without i've got to ask so what was the band that did it for you nina's got an interesting one it's system of a down and akakoka for nina so what was the song or the band that heard that really kind of ignited that fire the metallica straight like no questions you know something very mm, unusual happened like just the moment i saw james the the volume of the tv was off because i was like maybe what 13 years old and this was uh, on satellite tv which is illegal in iran but it's like weed in the uk it's illegal but everyone has it you know (laughs) so (laughs) you know and uh Yeah, I just saw that this music video come on TV and I was already really into music and I always used to make notes of bands and stuff like music videos or CDs or whatever. I was really into that. And actually as a nine-year-old, it was my dream to become a DJ when I grew up because at that age, I was really into techno and things like that. Interestingly enough, I always used to think that one day I was going to move out of Iran to become a DJ. That was my dream as a nine-year-old. Wow. So consequently, when I discovered heavy metal, it was, it was like an aha moment. But also it was sort of like, oh, yeah, this is what I was meant to be doing anyway. And going back to that moment when I saw Metallica on TV, something about seeing James Hetfield was like... I couldn't, it was a very strange moment in my life because at the time it seemed such a surface thing of, you know, I'm just seeing a guy with a guitar, but it felt like there was more to it because I kept saying to my mother, I kept shouting across her. She was at the kitchen on my left hand side and the living room is like, I've got a TV and she was over there. I kept screaming at her saying, I know this band even though I didn't. And I don't know why I kept saying that. Even at the time, I didn't know why I kept saying, I know this band, even though I didn't know them. So there was something to that, you know, that, 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 there's something there that just seeing him immediately made me like sort of, it made these sparks go up in my head. And then I, st- I stayed glued to the TV until the, the card at the end came up with the line, and then it came up saying Metallica song, da, 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 da. And I read that and I immediately ran to my, uh, my room. I ran to my room and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I just wrote on a piece of paper Metallica. And then, you know, that I kind of went and just did my research with what was available in Iran at that time. And, you know, here we are. <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. So how did you find yourself playing metal there for the first time? Like how, what is it like to play a gig there underground? Mm. I must be one of the fewest people in the world who've actually done that. Yeah. I don't say that arrogantly, but more so just it's like, true. holy shit, I can't believe that's it. You know? Um, yeah. So it's illegal to play shows there. Uh, you can get into serious fucking trouble. Um, the thing that they do is they sort of, um, the authorities, they like to dangle the carrot and stick in front of a lot of musicians saying that you can play, but you have to get a permit first. In order to get a permit, you have to majorly alter what it is that you're doing. So no vocals are allowed, no English lyrics, if so. Uh, women aren't allowed to sing. And uh, there's a lot of various different things, you know, which is, by the way, as a little bracket, why I appreciate what you're doing so much. Okay. And especially doing it in our native tongue, it's that's a big deal. That's a really big fuck you to them. And I love that. That like, you know, makes my, um, that like makes my wheels turning like, okay, shit, that's, that's life right there. You know, fucking rebellion, you know, cause fuck those cunts first and foremost. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so it was very unusual circumstances because the first show that we did, this was at a um, high school called uh, Kamalol Mulk. It's right near Tajrish. I don't know if 
you may have heard of it. It's a very well-known area of Tehran. It's where they've got like the market and everything. It's a great place to go buy materials because it's quite cheap. Um, but yeah, we went and played the downstairs amphitheater of that place. And uh, I remember like it was yesterday. I'm talking about it. And this is something that happened, let's say, February um I think it was like 10th of February, 2010, something like that, Eight, or maybe 8th or 9th of February at that time. It was in Bahman. It coincided with the 22nd of Bahman, which is actually the anniversary of the Islamic Revolution. Yeah. And we That's going well for them. Yes. <laughs> right? um, we lied to the school and then we said to them, hey, we're going to bring this uh, entertainment program and uh, play for all the kids here and whatever, you know, to celebrate the Islamic Revolution. <laughs> you know, so they were like, oh, great. You know, you guys should come around. And then we eventually convinced them. And then we basically went and set up a full gig. You know, there was no PA or anything. It was just more like a rehearsal place with like amp, bass, drums, and we weren't allowed to have any vocals. Uh, and then when we started playing shit, fucking just all hell went loose. You know, like after maybe the 10, 15 minutes when they realized when everyone, all of the kids there, there was maybe like 200 boys. And wow. I say boys because... They're all like full of testosterone, all between 16 to 18. They've never heard this music in their fucking lives before. And they start losing their fucking shit. <laughs> That's and so cool. It was, it was like, a, to me, it's the closest, one of the closest things I've had to a religious experience is that show, you know, which again, heavy metal to me is like, there's something in it that it activates this fucking primal power that's within everyone. And uh, yeah, there was mad shit happening. Everyone was screaming. If you watch the YouTube footage of it, if you go all the way to the end, you can hear people wailing and screaming <laughs> just because we did music, right? It's crazy. It's insane. And then what happened is that throughout the entirety of that show, we were expecting that the police would fucking break in. I even said it at like a video, this recording of a 16-year-old me talking in our rehearsal room, covered by egg cases everywhere, because that's how we made our DIY acoustic in a rehearsal basement. And I'm saying that here's, this could happen, that could happen. And most importantly, the police could come and fuck us up. But you know what? We don't care. We, we're going to still do it anyway. So we already played that show with the acceptance that we could really get fucked up for it. And maybe towards like, I think it was 40 minutes. We only had 50 minutes of material. So we somehow ended up playing a 40 minute gig. And I'm sure we would have carried on if we didn't get stopped. But basically I'm playing this solo and someone installed some strobe lights and shit. I don't know where they fucking brought that from. But um, I think, I guess they used it for like theater down there. And then I look up and I see this giant fucking smoke coming from the back of the room. And my immediate thought is tear gas. That's the police. Let's fucking go. If this is it, if this is the end, let's fucking go. But then through the middle of that smoke, I see, you know, like I, I get fucking geared up and I'm like 16 year old again, you know, it's just wild to even think that as a 16 year old, that, oh yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to do something, but then I might get really fucked up for it. You know, not many people get to face that, which is why I say I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to feel that way. But in the middle of the fucking smoke, I see the, the headmaster of the school with a set of papers in his hand going, everyone get the fuck out of here, this and that. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was still a bit, little bit, you know, scared, but also very pugilistic. That was my mindset. And, uh, but then we sort of cleared things out and then, all that it turned out to be was that the kids got so excited they set the back of the room on fire <laughs> with cigarettes. What the hell? So we actually got away. No one got hurt. And then that was like the first taste of playing a show. And I've never been the same since then. It was like, right then. So this is, this is what being a human, you, you, can, you can go to these places up here that you can feel that much power you know and the interactions that i had you know at that time you know up until that point i kind of felt like it was just like not that i was a nobody as such because i was always somehow well respected within my family even as a young kid i don't know why but i guess i just was but 
um, when I got to that, I was like, oh, okay, we, we might be onto something here. So yeah, it's very, playing shows in Iran is extremely dangerous. It's, um, you know, it could not only cost you your freedom, it could maybe even cost you your life because as soon as they slap the um, Satanist or anti-government or blasphemy thing on you. Corruption on earth, waging war against God. Exactly. Yeah. Then you get completely fucked up because of it. And, you know, um, that's what it is. And we did what we did knowing the consequences. Um, I'm glad that I still get to live to tell the tale and actually play shows here for real, you know. <laughs> um, but I also must admit, there's a part of me that misses that, you know. Like, it's great playing shows in the UK, you know, like playing the O2 Academy at Islington where we did our album launch show and then it's like fucking, you know, there's real metal heads, there's people that, wow, you know, they're really there just for that music. And it's amazing the reaction that we've had just globally. It really makes me feel honored because that's all we wanted to do was just to play music and share it. There's that tiny part of me still that just itches for conflict. Was it like the danger and the, yeah. Yeah, because I think metal is supposed to be dangerous and I'm lucky that I got to really feel that. And, um, and yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I want to play for those kind of people who've never had the opportunity to, you know, watch that a show is. rather than think that, oh, I will watch this support band i want to go i want to go grab a beer so i'll just watch the support band from there or oh i gotta take a phone call oh this and that you know this because we get used to it you know i am like this now sometimes when i watch shows but what i like is that watching that show alone means life and death for you and so does playing it that's what i miss you know yeah i think we'd all become quite jaded with gigs like prior to the pandemic, right? It was Yeah, like, we were spoiled. And it was just like, oh, you know, a band would row into town and you'd be like, oh, I'll catch them next year. But now it's like, you know, obviously not, not even anywhere fucking near close what you experienced, but like when live music was coming back, like I was thinking, fuck it, man, we should just be putting on gigs and just like, just fuck it, just put them on and then just see what happens. But I think it was, yeah, maybe just like craving that element of kind of like fucking danger and just saying like, fuck it. Like, I can't believe they're trying to take music away. Look at all the venues that have suffered as a result of, like, you know. Yeah. And in Iran as well, like, if they arrest you, it's not just like, oh, no, you've been arrested. It's like, you may never see the light of day again. And the way they treat people in prison there is horrific. So it's it's so much scarier, the idea of the police coming. I think maybe some people listening are imagining, like, maybe, like, going to a protest here. But there it's like, they will disappear you and your family will never find your body again. Is like a, a common occurrence for people who break the law. Absolutely. I recently had Nikon from the band Confess. Oh, cool. On Ibliss Manifestations, yeah, my yeah. podcast. He explained basically what his experience was like going to Evin. I'm sure you know mm, where yeah, Evin is. Yeah, I have family is. who've been to Evin, who stayed there. Yeah, yeah. it's rough. It's, yeah, um, yeah. At, like some of the descriptions of prison. Uh, I had a family member that was in prison for 10 years. Uh -huh. And... Uh, they're like a writer now and they talk about it and like there was a prison called the, they had something called the graves have you mm -hmm. heard about the graves i don't believe i have no they're like literally coffin shaped holes in the floor where they would keep prisoners for like months and years and like you can't even stand and they chain you up and you're just in there mm. like on your own solitary confinement people most people would just kill themselves or lose their minds mm. it's like it sounds horrific just so so terrible yeah, yeah, it is, you know, and, um, you know, if you get arrested, they'll, even if they release you, fuck knows what they do to these people, because they, you know, release all these young kids, and then they go home, and then two days later, they just drop dead. Yeah, they give them, like, drugs, like, yeah. injections and pills, and, and so many, this is recent, and, like, they do it to fucking school children, like, they, they gas school children yeah. for just being vague. That was a long ago. No, it was very yeah. recent, yeah. There's still shit like that happening right now. Yeah, well, you know, and that's that's exactly what it is. And I think, you know, just us talking about it, us doing what we do, um, but then also pushing forward on the music front, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, on one hand you could say, oh, you're just, you know, playing music, you know, there's no money in it, whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this people that do some money. <laughs> this is a statement. Yeah. This is a statement for our freedom, okay? And... Uh, 
And that's why I was very excited to have you involved with the project that we've just been working on. I don't know how much we can fucking get into it. Probably not a lot, but... It's your call. Uh, it's your yeah. project, so... I think I've, I've said enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Point being that we're making a fucking statement and everything that we do is in line with that trajectory, is liberation. liberation. Should exactly. we move to the present? Let's go. The tree... 23. Let me read it to you. The tree, a stylized tree with roots and foliage equally emphasized as shown. This card symbolizes growth, knowledge and development. It is the tree of life with its roots deep in the soil and past, giving strength to its branches. It stands for tradition, protection and strength of the family tree that links all men together. That reminds me of what we were talking about earlier, mm. about being buried. <laughs> <laughs> the soil we oh, want to be yeah. buried in. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's a that's a pretty interesting one. Because the thing for me is, um, I guess the external perception of my identity, generally speaking, I understand comes down to the Iran thing quite a lot, mm -hmm. due to the nature of the situation and everything that I've been through. But really, um, I would also go as far as saying that I never developed much as a person until I moved to the UK. Because moving to a country at a fairly young age, on your own, in the pursuit of the most obscure fucking thing you can find, which is being in a black metal band, and all of this whilst having no family here, having no friends here, not knowing a single person, and the UK is, I would maybe say... If you've never been before, if you don't know what it's like, it is a pretty fucking ruthless place to be in if you don't know how things work. And not just speaking on like a financial front, although that can certainly be a part of it. I guess a lot, most, most places can be like that. But it's the cultural aspect of it because it's very hard to understand people if, <laughs> if you've been born and raised in a completely different place. That cultural shock... I could never experience, I could never explain to anyone how drastic that was, you know, where it's like, you might be able to speak the language, which I already did. I already spoke English fluently when I moved here because I learned English from watching films when I was like five years old. But that massive drastic difference uh, between the cultures, it takes a lot. You really have to give it time to forge your personality and you can't be stubborn because you really have to learn to adapt to a new culture completely, a new way of people. You know what I mean? Well, I'll make a really funny example here is that uh, one thing I found really uncomfortable in that first year is that people here like to hug each other a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, I found that extremely uncomfortable at first. Now it's a different story. But um, I remember maybe like after a year or so when I came across some Iranian people, I had kind of picked up on the ways here. And then uh, we were hanging out with this group of guys. And then at the end, you know, we were saying goodbyes. Naturally, you know, I just went to like hug this guy. And then he was like, whoa, I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> but then did you yeah. kiss each other three times on the cheek? Like We, uh, we didn't, no. It was, you know, it was the, the, uh, the temperature was, uh, you know, it, it was just too awkward by that point. But oh, you're, you're, you make a good point. Yeah, like we like, kiss each other on the cheek. That's not gay, but then hugging is. Hugging is, you is know, gay. Which is, <laughs> Fellas. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not good. I mean, it, you know, it, it's one of them things. It tells you a lot about culture. And it's like, you know, that was a moment where I thought, oh, wow, shit. Okay, maybe it is really different than after all. Yeah. Um, you know, and Iranian people are really kind of in your face sometimes. Uh, a lot of times they're very kind of, you know, one thing behind your back. Very indirect. Yeah, very yeah. indirect. Um but also quite nosy. And then whereas <laughs> British people are, you know, a lot more passive for sure. Uh, and uh, I've become more like that over the years. So my personality is like a, you know, it's like a, you know, a pick and mix at this point. But yeah, so what I was really trying to say was that um, I did learn a lot whilst I was in Iran, but I've learned more whilst I've been here on my own. And I've had a lot of very difficult personal situations that I've dealt with in the last 12 years, a lot of them. But 
I wouldn't change that once again because um, a lot of that forged me into who I am now and it taught me certain things, you know, whether it was stuff to do with, I don't know, breakups, uh, legal situations, um, just cultural battles, physical, like mental health battles. All of these things were things that kind of at the end of it, on the other side of every single one of those was like a reward waiting, which was knowledge and understanding and experience that I took away from that. So I wouldn't like change any of those things. I feel like the universe, a lot of times when you make deals with it, it does give you what you want, but most people aren't aren't prepared to pay the receipt for it. And a lot of people give up halfway, but all you got to do is if you have a dream and when you start chasing that dream, shit gets tough. That means that's the time that you need to stick to it. That means that's the time that you need to, okay, if it gets tough, good. That means it's working. That means something is happening and you're making an exchange with God, with universe, whatever. But that's when it's happening. And I accept all of the hardships, you know, and I take what's offered in return to that. So this is, I think, a very, very appropriate one. And not only that, with what I've done in terms of fitness and uh, getting super obese, but then losing all the weight and now actually working as a fitness coach where I'm helping other people transform, this is extremely appropriate, I would say. Yeah, you're looking fucking yokes to fuck, man. You're looking really fucking good. What's your Thank current... You. Are you doing like a mix of powerlifting, CrossFit or... Like, no, no. I am I am more of the bodybuilding community, so CrossFit cool. is to me is the like enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. CrossFit to me is like you asking a death metal guy if he likes screamo, you know. So, <laughs> but no, I thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Same to you as well. I am just mainly doing bodybuilding, you know, just classic style and watching what I eat, getting adequate protein, trying to keep an eye out on the quality of food that the quality of food that I have, not just calories in calories out, although that's of course also important. And, uh, and yeah, you know, just finding the, the balance of struggling, recovering, struggling, recovering. And, you know, that's generally how I guess it, it gets better. You know, for yeah. me, it's a very philosophical thing. Yeah. Training. It's uh, before I did it, I used, always used to think it's this egotistical bullshit thing of, you know, look at me. You know, I always used to um, relate training and weightlifting to like Instagram influencers and pink colors and, you know, like this flashy neon bullshit version of life, which I fucking despised. And then as I got into it, I realized it's a philosophy of iron and actually becoming a better human being and becoming more resilient. And what it has done for me mentally is um, unparalleled. Like, there's nothing better than going and lifting weights and uh, whatever. This is the way I convinced myself to do it. I said, my mind already hurts, so let me make my body hurt. So the two align. And even though I kind of said that jokingly, that actually ended up working out because right now I, I don't feel like I have depression. I don't feel like I have anxiety. I actually feel like I'm in pretty good fucking control of my life, which uh, I guess not many black metal musicians can say. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, I wouldn't change that for a fucking thing. And I will stick to this exact same path. Uh, there's no denial about it. So, yeah, I'm, uh, that's one thing that, I'll always be shouting from the rooftops is get control of your physical health because it's, it's the it's most the, important the mental thing. benefits are the best thing about working out. It's literally like it's what drives me to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I can't imagine what my life would be like if I didn't do it. I can't imagine how I would feel if I didn't do it. It would be some half-life dead fucking waste of an existence to me by my own standards now and i think you need struggle in life to be normal anyway because like we were saying earlier we've grown up uh, to in, in a society where all of the real comforts all of the necessities are already provided so you already have a roof over your head uh, and uh, you've already got access to food you've 
already got access to social media or whatever, although that's a very different thing. But generally speaking, all of those very basic needs are already met. So we start looking for problems in other things. But sometimes I find that if you just take your life and kind of strip it back and focus on the necessities, you'll feel a lot better. You'll feel a lot... And you realize that a lot of shit don't fucking matter. If someone came and like commented some bullshit on your post, guess what? It don't fucking matter. It really doesn't right? You can just live your life and just be yourself and be authentic and just be grateful to be fucking alive. God damn it. Weird it. Every person who's alive right now is the semen that reached the fucking egg. Do you, that in itself is statistically an extreme, it's like extreme minority. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You already won the lottery and you're fucking alive. Wake up. You know, and you've had this massive lineage of people that came behind you and before you. And now you're complaining that, oh, my pumpkin spice latte didn't have my right name spelling on it. <laughs> Fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've got asked, have you got like a favorite exercise or one that you just always love training? Well, Persians are always um, stronger in the upper body than lower, so I gotta say bench press. That bench I've, is a good one. I yeah. fucking love doing bench press. It's and it's uh, there's a real disparity between my bench press PR and my squats and deadlift PR, which I know is not a great thing, but between my bench and squat, there's maybe like only a two kilo, twenty kilo difference, which is like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very small difference yeah. for those two to have, for, for anyone who knows what I'm talking but about. Squats are so technical though, aren't they? That's the thing, I think. Yeah. You've got to devote so much time and effort to know how to squat properly. Exactly. I feel like. And I prefer doing, nowadays, I prefer um, not going for like one rep maxes. I wanna have a weight that I'm comfortable at least doing four or five reps with, yeah. you know? But this is the thing, you know, you don't have to go in the gym and, you know, like I don't do ego lifting anymore. I certainly have done at times, you know, it's natural, especially when you're a beginner. That's the time when everyone ego lifts anyway, unless no one ever corrects you or you never learn properly, then everyone ego lifts forever. But um, yeah, yeah, for me, it's more about just conditioning my body to be the best thing that it can be, you know. And now, now I can turn around and say that I'm probably... At, at least as far as physical attributes are concerned, probably the most advanced version of anyone in my recent family. I could probably say that. And I know that's, that might sound weird. It's like, well, who cares? But it's kind of a cool thing, you know, oh, when, yeah, when you yeah. realize you're at the forefront of it, in a sense. Would so. you say that, Floyd? Well, my family, yeah. yeah. Well, my mum and dad have got about like 10 fucking siblings, so I'd have to do some research. You've got like five brothers and sisters. <laughs> Time to yeah. challenge oh, some people. Definitely amongst the siblings. There's no competition there. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. But, uh, it's funny, speaking of bench, because um, I plateaued for the longest time, so I started doing dumbbell bench, both incline and flat, and switching from barbell to dumbbell really helped me kind of push past that plateau, because I think... Wow didn't realize that when you're using the dumbbells, you're using so many more stabilizing muscles that yeah. aren't being hit. With, so that's really what helped me kind of propel and increase like my barbell flat bench. Absolutely, yeah. So like, for example, you know, if you're, if you're lifting, I don't know, let's say 100 kilos with, uh, with the bench press, you know, 100 kilos total, you know, so like you got 220 plates on each side. When it comes to dumbbells, you would probably be closer to lifting maybe 40 each side yeah. or like 38 or something. And I think there's, you know, the part of that is because it is more difficult. Um, yeah, and stability and all that is very important. That's something I've gone more into recently. It's just having good core strength, you know, doing awkward lifts and stuff rather than just doing it for, you know, looking pretty and whatever. Um, and that's been, that's been pretty cool, man. I just love it. You know, anything with physical exercise, physical challenge. I'm really big into cold exposure. Oh, yeah. Uh, very big into that. I see the Instagram posts. Yes. Because yes. that's the thing, you know, like um, the most important uh, benefit of doing cold exposure is the fact that you can't shut up about the fact that you do cold <laughs> exposure. It, it gives you such a high. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've done it as well? I've done it a little bit. I yeah. don't do it as I don't do it often like you do, but I've done like some a good amount of Wim Hof and stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah. And so you know then, like it's it's crazy. What you feel afterwards is like holy shit. You know, it's it's like drugs. You know, I mean, I don't drink, I don't take any drugs, I don't smoke, but I know what those things feel like because I've done them in the past. And honestly, the cold is like my favorite drug of all time, other than being on stage and maybe sex, but there's different types of drugs. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, um, yeah, the cold is amazing. Yeah. I really want to try the clubs, man. The one day I want to try, you know, the uh, uh-huh. Iranian, the fucking, oh, what they call them? The, the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Yeah. I really yes. want to train in the Zulkhone before I die. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. my dream. Because they banned women meal. recently. The meal. Yeah. That's a, have you, do you follow that Persian yoga guy on Instagram? Oh, you'd love his uh, account. I thought I was the Persian yoga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he's got like, he makes his own meal and he's got the shields and he, he shows people, yeah. he travels the world and like does seminars showing people how to do it. And he That's trains cool. women. Uh, it's just, it's really cool. And he just shows you how like how to do it. I, awesome. I, I benched for the first time like two weeks ago. Like I've been lifting for years. I, I had a big break because of long COVID, but then I went, there's like a, I went to a gym and the guy was showing me and he, he showed me how to do the barbell bench. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to suck. But I was just, it was easy. Mm-hmm. And like, I I did like 10 reps on 25 and he was like, that's weird. That's good. Yeah, it's not bad mm. for a first go. I was like, okay, my ego, I'm ego lifting a bit here, but I'm looking forward to benching again. Like, I want to see how high I can go. Amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's great for you. And you just feel good when you put it to the test, you know. And I think if you're not testing yourself physically, then, you know, it's like, that's the thing that made you survive and come this far. So mm. that there's a reason why so many people feel depressed is because they're neglecting their bodies, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of them <laughs> things, you know, you can't fucking force people to do it, you know? And in all fairness, if in people's defense, mm, most of what they eat is not even real food. Most of what's sold to us is not real food. If you go to a supermarket, 95% of it is just fucking processed garbage. And even like the pure ingredients that you buy, you know, they'll still have some traces of bullshit on them, you know, whether it's with glyphosates and the pesticides, or if it's the meat, you know, you'll still get the antibiotics and the steroids and, and all the grains and shit that they have, which actually get stored in the animal fat. So, um, yeah, you know, and we're, surrounded by emfs and all kinds of different pollution and then there's mental pollution there's news everywhere everyone's got 15 second attention spans thanks to fucking tiktok in china and you know listen it's a it's a whole thing it's difficult it's a lot to be you know it's a lot to go through but we can we can do it we can manage it just we need to just get our priorities right that's all i remember you telling me about the microplastics and all the fish yeah and now it's in our blood and it's in all the water we're just we're fucked well, phthalates, you know, they actually, the, what microplastics are doing, they're making people's taints smaller. Really? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Damn. I was like, that yeah. explains so much. We've got less space to take all the taints now. <laughs> but what that actually means is that it's actually lowering people's fertilities and, yeah. uh, and actually uh, reducing dick size. And, uh, you know, well, shit. Yeah. Hasn't hit me yet, brother. Well, there's like a fertility <laughs> Game knows game, brother. <laughs> yeah, but of course, down the line, let's say, I don't know, 50 years from now, you know, it, it might be a problem, you know, so, yeah. Wow. Sucks to be our children. Sorry, kids. Yeah. yeah. We'll be all right. We'll be infertile by then. Anyway. We'll be yeah. dead. We'll be children, yeah. Decomposing very slowly because we're mostly made of plastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna make. Sh- I'm gonna give my kids some scoops of creatine in the in the milk <laughs> bottle. <you> know, like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Just like play army like quotes while they're in the womb. That's <laughs> it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, Thank no you. Thank You're you. Uh, my girlfriend is still not at that stage yet. You know, but now I have ideas thanks to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for her. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, she, she'll, uh, she, she'll, she'll play along. She will play along. She's a saint, I'm sure. Speaking of the future, should we move to the future? Let's do it. But before I flip this, the future is bright. That's it is bright. Say. Just okay. like that light over there. It's so bright. It's bright. The tower. tower. Ooh, okay, interesting. I was really worried it was going to be like death or something, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, that has happened on occasion. Uh, number 25, the tower. 
A castle stands on a hillside without a moat or a visible door. Proud, stern and unyielding, the symbol represents achievement gained in the face of adversity and reflects sometimes the arrogant conscious mind repressing the unconscious mind beneath it. It can often presage the pride that goes before a fool. It can also stand for the male sexuality. We were literally talking about this. We were talking about how many monolithic, phallic things there are that we like to build and fire into space. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very good one. That's uh, I, I vibe with that. This this couldn't be more perfect. This right? is so you. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's it great. is. I'll take it. Yeah, that that looks good. You know, with the future. Um, what I believe in is never limiting your your self perception. Never believe in what um, what you're capable of achieving. Because anything is doable. You know, like for me, I've been through enough to know that anything is possible. Uh, so therefore, anything is achievable. It's just a matter of making that deal with the universe. You know, like we live in a very Saturnalian matrix. So what do I mean by that is that it's all about an exchange. Life is about exchanging, you know. And a lot of times it's about sacrifice, you know. And it's just like... Uh, you know, uh, Abraham sacrificing his own son. And that, that to me is like, life requires sacrifice and you sacrifice by giving things of value, but in return, you get something from it as well. And you get closer to that dream. So whatever that dream of yours is, you can achieve it. All you gotta do is just believe and put in the work. Put in the work is a very important part, by the way. Most people aren't. They just want to dream and wait for the thing to happen. No. Dreaming about it isn't doing the thing. Um, Writing about it isn't doing the thing. Talking to people about it isn't doing the thing. Thinking that you're going to do the thing is not doing the thing. Uh, Planning that you'll eventually do the thing is not doing the thing. The only thing that's doing the thing is doing the thing. And... That's the way to go. That's the way to move forward and, um, you know, build those castles on the ground. And um, what I believe in is you mentioned uh, some people had the card death. Mm-hmm. What I believe in is earning your death. So when, when the time comes, you hold your fucking head high and say, oh, yes, I am welcome. You know, and, and you want to be accepted at that moment. You want to be respected at that moment. Not by any external persons, not by anyone else, but ultimately it's a reflection of yourself. That you know that you made the right choices. That all of the resources, all of the opportunities, all of the... the everything that... that helped you go through life and become the person that you want to be that you did your best to take the right turns and that when the time comes for the credits to roll in you're like yes i fucking did it nothing scares me more than the notion of getting to that point at the end thinking fuck i've done nowhere nothing near close to what i wanted to achieve or do in life and i've wasted all this time and it's too late Yeah, well, this is the thing. Time is finite. Everything in this life is finite. And that's, um, it scares a lot of people, but I think it's actually a peaceful thing. You know, knowing that everyone's opinion of you is finite. You know, like what I used to think, this is, this is the thought process that even led me down this path to even consider this, is that um, when I was maybe like 18, 19, I used to think that, well, one day I'm going to go. So how I will be eternal is that other people will have access to my music and my merch and things like that, which is, you know, that's true in a sense. It's your legacy that you leave behind. And I think a lot of us as artists, you know, who contemplate the other side, um, not by our own hands necessarily, but just generally speaking, we contemplate the other side. Um, we always think about things like that. A lot of, I think, people who are into entertainment are ultimately just wanting to be seen by as many people as possible so that their egregore lives on past them. But where I am with this ad now, in this point in my life, is that not only will all of the people who owned Trivex vinyls and CDs and merch 
not only are they finite, so is the planet that they live on. So is the sun in their solar system. So is the entire universe that we live in. Because the, in the universe may be infinite, but it is not indestructible. Everything is finite. Hence the title Eloah burns out. Elohe is the meaning of that. And, you know, and to me, everything is finite. So um, let's, let's live authentically. It's not to say, oh, you go out and start doing crazy things. No, first of all, learn and understand that this whole thing is a game. We are in a simulation and understand that it works by means of exchange and time. Uh, just like when you go to work, um, you are not there because of your skill. You're there because of your time. And this is the, this is the exchange. So let's use that time wisely. That's our biggest and best currency. And I'm going to spend mine putting all the bricks together to build that fucking tower right there. So there we go. We often have like two, if we have time, which I think we might, might two have additional... We, oh, we love a bit of Sabsi. We'll have like, <laughs> we, we often have two additional cards. So this would be the motivating card. Mm -hmm. This would be the thing that drives you forward. And we'd have the goal card, the thing that you're being driven towards. So if you want to see what those are, you're more than welcome to take two and, and flip them over. So this one's the motivation and then we got the goal. Yeah, that's right. All right. That would be cool. It's a very, sure. you seem very concerned with those. Like a lot of what you say is about motivation and where you're mm. going. And I'd be really curious to see what you get. All right, then, let's go. Death! Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Who shuffled these? There's some card counting going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, God. Wow. Oh my God, that's crazy. I mean, I can read that one for you, but it's pretty self-explanatory. I already explained it before it came. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, do you, let, do you want to see, like the your motivate what you're going towards i'm so freaked out by that oh uh, no that's it. it everything is finite everything you don't want to you don't want to there's no goal it's just the goal is already this is the thing make every decision no oh my. <laughs> 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 yes uh mm -hmm. um Make every decision knowing that everything is finite, you know. So wherever you're going to put your energy, put it in a place that is worthy of your attention and have the, you know, the balls to, um, to do that, to, to uh, when, you, when, you, when it comes to meeting death, don't hold your head down. like oh. No, be like. I feel like your cards are all cyclical. Yes. Like the tree grows from death. The leaves fall and they become subsumed again in the roots and it grows again and the leaves fall. And then with the tower and liberation, like you escape from the tower. Like where you're incarcerated can be your own tower. And you build that up again and it falls and you build it up again. And, and the death is that thing that recycles us. We become mulched into the soil and we, we're recycled and we go back into the universe. But then that, as you say, is also finite. And I don't know if it's an Iranian thing to think about death a lot, because I think it's something I've always been very concerned with as well. Mm. And I've always wondered if it's cultural, because I do see that a little bit in my family or people in my family. Mm. And something I, I, um, I've been thinking about recently is, you know, all these graves and these, these cycles, they all get subsumed as well into the core of the earth. Like there'll be a point where all the graves that we'll be buried in will just fall into magma or get like, you know, shattered into the the core of the earth and that's going to fall apart too. And then everything else will fall apart and space time will fall apart and it's all going to get fucking recycled probably. And I think that's such an interesting thing that when we think about art, we think about like the five, 10 generations that if we're lucky make can experience it if we're like Mozart or something, but that that's all going to die. That's all going to entropy will take that away. So I think it's interesting that we still do it. We still like participate in these, these cycles that are finite, as you say. Because it counts. Hmm. Just because it ends doesn't mean it's not real. I think that makes it more precious. Yes. That scarcity of time and experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a line in the last song of our album. Uh, the song is called Dar Dunya, the, <laughs> the end, end of, of the, the world. world. Yeah. 
and it says in dunya kahkeshan tamam khahat shud tamam khatirat no sorry in dunya wa ruzgar tamam khahat shud tamam khatirat kahkeshan pak khahat shud pas biya دست به دست هم دیگه جشن بگیریم اینجاست اجدهایی که دوم خود را میبلعد and uh, that means this this day and this world will one day end all of the memories of the universe will be erased so let us celebrate together hand in hand here is the dragon devouring its own tail Uroboros and That's what that means, and exactly to your point, you know, it's a game, but you know, it's like a, it's like a watching a film. Yeah, you know that the film's gonna end at some point. Do you just not watch the film then? Yeah. You know, there's like a or like a video game or a song or a relationship. You know that that other person either eventually you'll break up or that other person will die. Do you just stop having the relationship? No, you still go ahead. And that's the nature of life at its core. It's true. I mean, it's like, look at all the forms of media that you could consume. Like it's always after you've finished it that you get the real satisfaction of it. Mm-hmm. Just, I love the reflection of enjoying something, whatever it may be. And it's like, you know, often that is the thing that is embedded into my cortex more than what I'm actually experiencing at the time. So, yeah, it's a good mm. spread. That's amazing. That's one of the most powerful spreads we've had. Mm. Better than Nutella. <laughs> Should we go for one more? You want to? Yeah. Be my guest. Oh, he's going for the bottom. The home. Bloody hell. <laughs> What is it with all this symbolism? Okay. Let me, I'll read this one for, to you. <sighs> right in the heart. A cozy cottage hearth with tea laid and a cat curled up by a burning fire on a winter's evening. This card draws us to our background and the security we all need for a warm, comforting environment. It represents the trusted, simple things in our lives, which we sometimes undervalue. Yeah. That is definitely a goal that I can imagine would be a very powerful one for you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're both fucking weeping. I guess that's the that's the thing that's um when I think about it that's the thing that's missing the most in my life. Not missing, but the most um, absent. It's something that you had to be ripped away from to do what you needed. So I guess that's the thing that you're trying to return to as well, right? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. And I, I know you, you relate to that, but um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, home. Home is where the heart is, eh? Yeah. Mm. It's where the art is as well. Yeah. Oof. Right in there. <laughs> Bloody hell, man. Damn. Damn. <laughs> This is the first time that I've cried on the podcast. Mm. Probably the last time as well. Um, yeah, same. I don't think this, uh, this has happened on video for me before, but, you know, it's worthy. It's worth it. I have no shame. It's beautiful, actually. It's be- it is beautiful. This is this couldn't be more perfect. I accept it. I love it, and uh, I'm grateful for it to be as clear as it is. Not many people have that, so. I'm I think happy. it's really special that we got to experience that with you and that you shared it with us. Thank <laughs> no, you. Thank you so much for the experience. I'm um, very grateful. It's it's really beautiful. It's it's so special to to have met you as well because there is no one else that has come close to, I mean, your experience is very different, um, but I understand it. Mm. And I don't think there are many other people that I could understand who, and who could also understand how I feel as well. The, mm. the position that we, we have between two cultures 
and two worlds. Mm. Yes, like some emotions aren't for everyone to understand. Yeah. There are things that only you feel to yourself and, you know, in your own solitude or whatever. And no one else knows the, the weight of it. No one else knows what. And you know what? That's fine. Yeah. You know, it's okay for some things to be like that, maybe. But it's nice. Actually, no, I, I say that. I, I do say that, but I actually think it's really valuable to understand that that's something that's shared, actually. And that perhaps you're not always alone, you know, whatever that suffering is, you know, that's, you know, pulling down on your heartstrings or experience or whatever. That's something that ultimately um, that may be unique to you, but we're also all connected as human beings. And, uh, you know, and there's value to that. And there's value to being unique. There's value to, you know, having things. And then if you're the only person who sees the world in a certain specific way, which we all are, after all, that's okay. You know, that's okay. Just be authentic. You know, it might be scary, it might be lonely, and it might be terrifying, and it might feel like it doesn't, it doesn't um, suit the world around you. Doesn't matter. Just be yourself. Be, you know, you've got the chance to be alive. So just be real. I think, you know, you can't underestimate the impact of being authentic. Because, I mean, take yourself when you saw Metallica on TV for the first time, right? You play in that show in that high school with those 200 kids. Who's to say how many of those kids would have saw that and that would have opened their mind to a world that was previously unavailable to them. Yeah. You know, you've cast your pebble into the universe that could have a ripple effect that could really cause, you know, be something truly proud of. This is very important to me because I actually fully see that that's how it could work. So to me, rather than be focused on influencing people or having an impact, this and that, I think it all starts in here. You start working by what's within you. And as long as you're authentic and as long as you do what you do with utmost passion and love, which is what we, what we have, you know, whether it's with what I do with Trivex, absolutely, I love every second of it. There's not a moment you'll ever find me complaining. Even if I have to deal with... <laughs> this, this is a slight reference to a conversation prior to this podcast but um, even if I have to deal with that I love it I love the fact that I had the opportunity to you know be in this life and to live this and to be who I am and do all of these things with, with the podcast with what I do as a fitness coach or what I do you know like as long as I'm authentic then it's up to the rest of the world to come and grab whatever pieces they want. And then they, they run with the ball themselves. You know, it's like, you know, it's okay. That's, that's how we grow and that's how we evolve. That's how we become better human beings. There's just like an, a perfect example of that, the fitness thing. Most people who want to come and get me to coach them, they don't do that because uh, they suddenly had a, whatever they usually see what i was able to do and they're like oh fuck i want to do that and and i help him do it it's possible they have to put in the work but i show them how to do it and then and then it works and then we get results but ultimately that all happened because i made a decision i needed to improve my life i needed to change shit i wasn't happy with how things were i'm still i'm happier i'm still not satisfied you know so it's not gonna stop um, but yeah, that's how it works. Be authentic, be real. And, um, this was one of my favorite sayings, actually, this, this came to me at a very interesting moment, right? Um, I ended up helping this Iranian lady at a hospital one time. This was like maybe a year and a half ago. And I helped translate for her. Uh, she had had like a miscarriage, but she didn't speak a word of English. So I uh, helped her uh, with the, you know, basically translation in the like a radiology department. And I taught her like how to, you know, basically translated what the nurse was saying to her. And then I sorted out like a taxi for her and everything, you know, and 
at the very end, she said something to me that, that I keep saying to myself now, whenever, you know, shit's going wild in my life, which is, you know, pretty often <laughs> as, as controlled as I am. And as much as I try and, uh, you know, um, and she said, and this just fucking like, it got stuck to me, it got glued to me. And what it means is whatever's right, let it be whatever's right, may that happen. And I keep saying that. Yeah. Boom. There it voilà. is. Thank you so much, Cheyenne. That was amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me here and, and for everything. It was great. And congrats on everything with Trivax and Iblis manifestations. Like it's, some great content. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm loving every second of it. And uh, it's in a, things are in a good place because it feels like it's in the right path and the right trajectory, you know. And I believe as long as I keep putting in the work, um, then actually, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you.